Advent, preparing for the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The second week of Advent has to do with peace. So in our study of the Christmas Chronicles, last week we looked at hope. This morning we're going to look at peace and understand what peace is about. Wednesday, December 6th. 2017, President Trump recognized Jerusalem as the capital of Israel, planning to move the United States Embassy from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem. Every president since Harry S. Truman refused to acknowledge Jerusalem as Israel's capital, and this has profound implications, both prophetically and uh, politically and biblically. Amen? Amen. I don't know your uh, opinions of the president, but uh, despite that, the implications here are huge. And Jerusalem's a very important city. How many of you know that? Kind of is. And uh, (laughs) it's known as Jerusalem. In Arab, salam alaikum means uh, uh, peace upon you. Uh, in Hebrew, it's Shalom, and this is Jeru Shalom. So this is the city of peace, and if you've ever been there, you would find that it is far from that, right? It's really not the city of peace. I'd have to say, in all my travels around the world, the one place that I found to be so profoundly shattered and uh, just mean and angry, it was Israel, Jerusalem. And the city of peace will never have peace till its prince comes through the gates and establishes himself on the seat of David. Amen? For he is the king of Jerusalem. He's the prince of peace, the prince of shalom. And so being the prince of shalom, Jesus will bring the peace. So right now that city will never have peace till its rightful heir and king resides in that city. And he is coming again, and he will reside there. Psalm 122 says this, Pray for the peace, pray for the shalom of Jerusalem. May they prosper who love you. May peace be within your walls and prosperity within your palaces. So, we want prosperity and peace to come to Jerusalem. And as we pray for Jerusalem, you need to consider that as the church prays for Jerusalem, the city of peace, we're actually praying for the Prince of Peace to return to that city. So it is a prayer of the second coming. It is a prayer for the Lord Jesus to establish his authority there. And how many of you know you'll never have peace unless the right power is in authority? And that is key to understanding peace this morning. Shalom means to be safe in your mind, body, and full estate. It's a completeness, a fullness of health and well-being. In the West here, our concept of peace has been invaded by a New Age Eastern concept of the absence of any problems. And that's not going to happen in this world. The concept biblically of shalom and peace is that there is an inner authority that is greater than whatever the consequences are around you. You can have conflict and you can have trouble, but you can have peace resolving in your heart because shalom, order in your life, 
is blessing you. It's a greater authority inwardly than that which is outward. Greater is he that is what? In you than he that's in the world. And so that is the order of shalom. And so it's necessary that we have a wholeness within us and in response we're able to share that peace with others. It's unrelated to circumstances. It's a goodness in life that's not touched by what happens on the outside. And therefore, the true understanding of peace or shalom is this. It's the derivative of these letters, shalom, mem vav lamad shin, which means peace, that which is able to destroy the authority attached to chaos. You cannot have peace unless you have power over the chaos. All right? So we're all looking for someone to take away the chaos when in fact you need someone who will overrule it. There will be tribulation with you always in this world. But be of good cheer for I have what? Overcome. That's a greater power than the trouble that's in the world. You getting this? So there's a greater authority and a power. So what's interesting is about peace is that peace comes when the one of greater authority resides. That's why Jerusalem, the city of peace, will have no peace till its king sits on the throne. So the authority of God rules in that city. Amen? And so that's the solution for peace. And it has power to overcome the enemy. Well, near the city of peace, near Jerusalem, just a few miles on the outside, on the outskirts of Bethlehem, which is right next door to Jerusalem. And uh, in a field one night, there were shepherds as their sheep were grazing in the field. And as they were there, there was a light that came. And it spoke of a prophetic word from Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. You know this verse well. For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulders. Everybody say that. The government shall be upon his shoulders. What does that mean? The authority of all governments, the authority of rule and power will rest upon his authority. And so the government shall be upon his shoulders and his name shall be called. And, and how many of you love this? We could spend an hour on this. Well, we could spend a week on it. Maybe we could spend eternity on this, couldn't we? He's wonderful. And what that means is he's full of wonder. He's a wonder worker, full of wonder. He's a counselor. He, he brings wisdom. All wisdom and power is within him bodily. He is the mighty God, the El Gabor, the warrior, the one who crushed the serpent's head he is the everlasting father in other words he is the ab ad he is the father or the progenerator of eternal life you can't have eternal life unless you come to christ jesus who births eternal life in each one of us and last of all he is sar shalom and what is sar shalom the prince of peace and so the reason he is the Prince of Peace is because he is the father of everlasting power and life because he crushed death as the mighty warrior, the mighty God, who then brings counsel and wonder to our lives. And so in that field one night, the Sar Shalom, the Prince of Peace, there was an announcement of a great king, an announcement of the king 
of peace. And as the shepherds were there, an angel came forth. Luke tells us about it in Luke chapter 2, verses 13 and 14. Suddenly there was with the angels a multitude of heavenly hosts. But what happened first is the shepherds are out there and their, their flocks just sitting around. They're just hanging out, sitting by the fire, right? Chatting, talking about the day. And all of a sudden it says that an angel appears and greets them. Let's look at it. Turn with me to Luke chapter 2. You brought your Bibles, let's put them to use. Luke chapter 2 says this in verse 8, And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. They were filled with fear. I like this. It's, it's not just the glory from that angel, that, the glory, that a, what that angel had to say. How many of you know that the message of the gospel has glory attached to it? It brings glory. Every time you witness for the Lord Jesus, the glory of God is what shines in people's eyes. Paul says that, that what happens, why people are lost is because the God of this age has blinded their eyes. So we're to pray for the light of the glorious gospel to shine in their eyes so the light of the glorious gospel these angels came forth well there was one angel the angel of the lord he showed up he's the man it was his job that night to tell this good news how many of you know he enjoyed that he came forth and the glory shined but it wasn't just a glory for him it enveloped those around him and i can't get this across stronger to you that when you share this gospel when you speak when you represent the glory comes beyond you and it surrounds those around you and it said the shepherds were in fear man a light just went boom and listen to what he said fear not for behold i bring good news of great joy that will be for all the people for unto you is born this day in the city of david a savior who is messiah the lord and this will be a sign for you you will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger now the sign the the aspect of a sign is that it's going to be something that you're going to say oh this must be the kid, right? So a baby wrapped up in a blanket and diapers is really not that big of a sign. So the sign happens to be that he's lying in what? A manger, a food trough. Babies, you don't put babies in a food trough where cows and horses and mules can nibble at the little guy. So this is what's going to be your sign. So where do you find a manger? Well, you don't find it in the inn. You don't find it in the hotels. You don't find it in people's houses. You're going to find it somewhere else. And so there's the sign that they're going to see this unusual situation. And isn't it really true that where should the word of God be? In the food trough. <laughs> That's where you eat the word of God and you receive the glory of God. 
And it's wrapped up in morsels that you can receive the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. But I love this story because uh, this is what I imagine, and you'll have to pardon my imagination. But anyways, so this angel is just... The glory is just emitting, and he's excited to pronounce what is coming to planet Earth that was promised in the garden to Adam and Eve, that this child would come. He's the Word become flesh. He's the seed of the woman, and he's going to crush the serpent's head. It's going to bring uh, a change to the entire economy of God and the purpose for all mankind. We've been waiting for so long, and this angel gets to say it, and all of a sudden, they can't hold back anymore. All of a sudden, there's this... All the angels show up because they can't contain it anymore. They've been waiting for this. Peter says that they've been looking into this salvation for so long to understand it. And they get to announce that God is now in the flesh. They've been working towards this prophetic move for how long in human history? And now they get to announce it. And I don't think, I think they had it memorized. I don't think they had binders and books to announce it like a choir. They were just too excited. The glory, can you imagine that? I would imagine these shepherds just went, like their hairs just, their eyes are wide. I mean the light, the sky lights up. And listen, listen to what these angels say. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly army. That's what a heavenly host means. A host means army. They weren't waiters with white things over their sleeves as a host. They were an army. All of a sudden, it says suddenly. I mean, it was just like in an instant. He just says, you'll find the babe wrapped in a manger. Oh! That's our cue. All the angels begin to worship. An army shows up that night. Wow. Praising God, and they all begin to just glorify God. Glory to God in the highest and on earth. Peace among those with whom He is pleased. Well, you got to evaluate that statement. Because on our, most of our Christmas cards and greeting cards, it says, glory to God in the highest and peace to those who are on earth. That's not the verse. That shalom, that order, that peace is not distributed to everybody on earth. It's not automatic because Jesus showed up. It says to those, to those, to those people. To what people? Peace among those with whom he is pleased you got to qualify for the shalom of god and what is the qualification to get the peace of god in your life you must receive the king does this make sense to you and so in order to have the peace of god residing in your life it's the same as the city of peace jerusalem your king needs to sit upon the throne and so in order to receive the peace of god in your hearts You need to be right with the king and receive him as your Lord and Savior. There's a lot of people that go to church. There's a lot of people that believe there is Jesus and that he was a good man and they trust, yeah, he died for people's sin, but they've never realized and recognized him as their Savior and King. 
And so, brothers and sisters, in order for us to have shalom in our lives, a greater authority over the chaos that surrounds us, a peace that when everything else is disturbed, is to have the king seated upon the throne of your heart. Because it begins to bring a dimension that expands beyond the earth realm into an eternal realm, and you recognize that whether I live or die, Jesus is Lord. I am saved. I am sure with Him that I'll reign and rule forever. That brings a peace that is tremendous, isn't it? In fact, let me share with you what kind of peace this is. It passes understanding. And so Philippians 4, 7 says this, And the shalom of God, the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and your minds through Messiah Jesus, through Christ Jesus. This is a peace that passes all understanding because it is an order. And, and here's the thing. Remember shalom? Shalom is an ordered life. It's an order in where your mind, soul, heart, body, being is in right relationship with God. And with that, you can withstand anything that comes your way. It brings peace. It brings shalom because it brings an eternal perspective to your life. You begin to recognize Romans 8 where it says all things work together for those who are called according to God's purpose. They all work together for the good of God's glory. And so even though you're in trauma, Romans 5 says that now all of our trials and troubles are redeemable because they have value to us. There's an eternal value to our struggles which builds perseverance, which builds character, which builds hope. And so now where everybody's avoiding all these troubles and problems, for us, it's actually integrating into us the quality of Christ. Wow. Look, if you didn't have any troubles, you'd be a wimpy Christian. (laughs) Seriously. You'd just be a spoiled, nasty Christian. Complain about everything. Anybody here been through trials? That's why you're here. I don't know what it is about Christ Community Church, but we collect trials. All who are weary and heavy laden go to Christ Community Church. (laughs) We're just a bunch of wrecked people, but isn't that good? Because what's happening is he's developing this character and this life of Christ so that every time we get squeezed, more Jesus shows up. And the glory begins to reflect. (laughs) It's a peace that has an eternal perspective. It's beyond understanding because now it has an eternal realm to it. That Whether I live or die, to live is Christ, to die is gain. See, there's a dimension now that brings a peace. Right? I mean, another trouble comes along and you say, put it on my tab. (laughs) Just add it to the bill. (laughs) Right? And we get through because we know God is going to get us through. How many of you have a testimony that God's going to get you through? You could turn to your neighbor and say, you know what? You've been through this. I can tell you God's going to get you through. I don't know how many of you have been delivered through death. How many of you have been delivered through addictions? I don't know how many of you have been through broken relationships, but God's delivering you through. And there's a peace in this because it has an eternal weight of glory attached to it. And that's why James says, count it all joy when you enter into diverse temptation. Everybody else is like, what are you, crazy? 
Because an enemy becomes a footstool. And you know what you use footstools for? Put your feet on and to elevate. You can't reach something, you get a footstool out. I wouldn't do it. And you step forward. And you go higher. And so this is the peace that is on Christians. It's a peace that, that even in the face of death, you, you have a resolve that I'm going to even get through this. That's crazy. That's awesome. And so there is a peace that passes understanding. Now, this word passes is hupereko in the Greek, and it means to be superior in rank and authority and power. It's superior, a peace that transcends, outdoes, surpasses, excels, rises above, goes beyond and over the top of any other kind of peace. This is why, Christians, I want to encourage you to know the peace of God because it is a peace that is superior to any other peace and self-medicating that you're attempting to do. How many of you know the peace of God is greater than alcohol? The peace of God is greater than crack. The peace of God is greater than the latest uh, heroin concoction. The the peace of God is greater than nicotine cigarettes and coffee and, and whatever else you're using to give you peace. The peace of God is greater than the latest relaxation record. They don't have records anymore. Sorry. MP3. <laughs> Come on, think of how many things we use to substitute the peace of God, which is superior to all other efforts. And it's not a mantra. It's not a, oh, Jesus, 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 Jesus. It's knowing Him. And knowing the dimension of who He is in your life. He is King of my life. He is Lord of my life. So this peace supersedes. It ranks in greater authority than any other aspect of life. John 14, 27, Jesus said this. As He's leaving His disciples, He says, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give with you. What peace is that? the Son of God, the peace and relationship He has with the Father. We've been justified, therefore we have peace with God. The peace of having the Father in favor of you. That's what grace is. He favors you. You've got His complete favor, His complete love, His complete perfection in relationship. Jesus says, that's what I'm giving you. Not a peace as the world gives do I give you. And, and so, you know, many people say, he says, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. And people think, oh, well, it's, it's not a peace that he's going to give and take back. That's what the world was. His emphasis is not on him, the giver. The emphasis is on the peace. It's a different peace than the world has. What kind of peace is it? It passes, it's surpassing, it's greater, it's higher in authority and power than any other peace you can get on this planet. It's my peace. It's an eternal peace because it's always right with the Father. You are at rest, Sabbath, with God the Father. You can't earn it. You can't work it. You've got to just live it and understand this peace rules. And that's what he says. 
Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. That's what Paul says. This ruling in our hearts is a peace that passes, right? It's in the fast lane. It passes all other aspects of peace. It is greater in rank and superiority and power. So let this peace rule in your hearts, Paul says. And the word that he uses for rule is a word that means to referee. Let this word, let this peace, let my relationship with the Father that is now yours rule in every situation. So the Holy Spirit has one of them black and white stripes outfits on. He goes, and he red cards you. Foul. And he calls out those things that should not be entering into your heart. Tim, don't do it. Don't, don't go there, Tim. Don't look at that. Don't go over there. Don't say that. Don't think that thought, please. This is not going to... Tim, Tim, sit down. Tim, stop it. Tim, yes, Lord. He listened this time. Okay. When I don't, then I, I get all messed up and, oh, Jesus, I can't sleep. I'm having trouble. I can't do this. I know. Tim, come here. And he'll still embrace and he'll still work with us. Right? You know that conversation. Been there and done that. On your ride to church. Right? Thank God. But it has to rule. This is how we have authority over everything else. Now, Paul again said, this is a peace that passes, and he uses that specific Greek word that is superior in ranking and order. It's a peace that passes your understanding. See, because if you understood it, you wouldn't go to God's peace, you'd figure it out. See, self-sufficient people are the biggest problem, uh, uh, that have the biggest problem in life. Because what happens, and that's most Americans, we're so self-sufficient, we won't go to God for all our needs. Because with enough money and enough friends, we can handle this ourselves. I'll just ask my mom for a loan or my dad or I'll go to the bank and use credit or I just you know I'll just sell a few things that I have right I mean come on am I am I speaking the truth you you know and so what happens in our western mindset we're so self-sufficient that's why it's so hard to get people to even consider salvation because they're fine life's pretty good I got some problems but I'm pretty good you're not happy yeah, but uh, I'm saving up for a new toy. Or it's Friday and I'm going to the bar. Again, all substitutes for a peace that never satisfies. And so this is a peace that is superior to your understanding. It's beyond it. Don't you want help outside of yourself? See, what happens is when you're self-sufficient, you're sitting on the throne of your heart. You're in charge of the United States of you. And there's anarchy in those states. They want to pull away. <laughs> You're having a civil war. That's why you got to get you off the throne and Jesus sitting in authority there. And so it passes your understanding. And then look at what Paul goes on to say in Philippians 4, 7. And the peace of God, which surpasses and is greater than all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ. That word keep 
is a military term of soldiers standing guard. That peace of God is going to rule in your hearts. It's going to stand guard for you. And that's why you fortify that Word of God in your heart so that it rules. And you add another verse to your understanding and you set another soldier in the military of guarding your heart. Bringing you peace and safety. They used to build walls around cities so that they would have shalom and peace. Well, the Word of God is the wall built around your heart to determine what should come in and what should not come in. The gates, your ear gates, eye gates, nose gates, whatever gates have entrance into you. The peace of God will keep you and strengthen you. Amen? That is essential. Let me read to you then what this verse actually means. Uh, Philippians 4, 7, the peace of God which passes all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Here's another way of saying it. And the peace of God, a peace so wonderful that it cannot be compared to any other type of peace. A peace that stands in a category by itself and rises far above and goes beyond anything this human mind could ever think, reason, imagine, or produce by itself. It will stand at the entrance of your heart and your mind, working like like a guard to control, monitor, and screen everything that tries to access your mind, your heart, and your emotions. Woo! How many of you want that kind of peace? Come on, I want that kind of peace. Peter tells us how. Peter says in 1 Peter 3, 15, in your hearts, honor Christ as the Lord. Different translations put it different ways. In your heart, set Christ as king. The rest of this verse you're familiar with. Therefore, if anybody asks you of the hope that is within, give a readied and reasoned answer with all humility and patience and mercy and so forth, right? But the first part of this verse is essential. In your hearts, establish Jesus as what? King. Honor him as king. You will have peace if you allow the king of peace the Prince of Peace, to sit upon the throne of your heart so that you will be His Jerusalem. You will be His city of peace. And so, brothers and sisters, if you're troubled, if you're weary, if you're down and out, I'm not going to sing Bridge Over Troubled Waters, you need (laughs) Jesus. You need to go to Jesus and reestablish him as Lord of your hearts. Consider in every situation you're in, is Jesus ruling this situation? We have to get reminded. There are times when I get calls. They're trauma, they're upset. My, my wife, my husband, my mother, my aunt is on their deathbed. They're, there's the situation, there's a trauma situation, and we all freak out. And we all go, oh my gosh, what are we going to do? And uh, are the doctors there? Are they in ICU? What's, what's going to happen? And every now and then you've got to go into prayer, and because what prayer does is it reestablishes your view of the throne of God, and you realize, wait a minute, God is in this, God saw it before it happened, God is here while it's happening, and God is going to superintend this whole time. And then a peace can come over your heart and recognize that my God is ruling in this situation. King Jesus, how shall I pray for this? Receive Christ as King and He will establish 
Jerusalem, the city of peace in your hearts. Let's bow our heads. Father, we seek the peace of God this morning. It's found in Jesus. He's our solution. He is our King. I pray to impart even now this morning, Lord God, your shalom, your ruling authority over every heart. With every head bowed, I first ask this very important question. Is there anybody here this morning who has never received Jesus as their Lord? This is your opportunity to seat Him on the throne of your heart, to confess your sins and acknowledge Him as a Savior, that the peace of God, which is eternal, can now begin to flood into your soul. If you've never accepted Jesus as Lord, would you just lift your hand up and say, I want Him, I want Jesus as my Savior? Is there anyone this morning that wants to declare that? Then I want to ask and impart this prayer for you. Is there anyone this morning that needs the peace of God in their 